Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern, as we do each and every weekday, 2 to 4 live. Of course, you can hear On Demand anytime you want. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88. And football is a lot closer than you think. And if you're ready to draft, head on over to playffwc.com. We got Dynasty Startup Drafts. Three spots remaining in a startup draft, six-hour clock, so you can head over there now. There's also a slow best ball draft, four-hour clock, 24 rounds. It's only $35 in that one, six spots remaining in that one. You can also reserve your spot for the World Championship live in Vegas. And if you haven't experienced it, you got to get out there. So uh, this, I went there for the first time two years ago not knowing what to expect, and it was such a good time. You know, obviously, we're out in Vegas, drafts all weekend. We watch the Thursday night game together, Sunday. It's just a great weekend to open the season. Uh, I'm out there usually in at least one draft. We did the Beat Adam Ronis League last year. So we'll be a lot of fun uh, out at the Palms where they made major renovations. So it's a real good time. And, you know, now's the time to start putting your reservation down. If you've never done it, you know, and I'll be out there. You want to hang out, say hello. It's a really good time, so you can head on over to playffwc.com, put down a uh, deposit today, and uh, again, a lot of online championships, slow drafts, dynasty startups with different price points, so you can check it out today, playffwc.com. Of course, fulltimefantasy.com, where you can find us now, and it is, everything is the same, just change the name. So I got my article today looking at a picture that's really stood out, Uh, you can check that out. He's made some changes, so is it legit? Read the article. Dr. Otto takes a look at the AFC East, AFC South, uh, recapping their divisions from a fantasy perspective, and, of course, uh, the weekly positional rankings from Sean Childs. And if you have any questions, you can ask them on the message boards and the forums, as well as uh, fulltimefantasy.com slash DFS for your baseball NBA, which still is live. we got a two-game slate tonight, NHL, so those are winding down, but still ways to make money. PGA, NASCAR, and a lot more. We'll talk some NBA with Frank Stample of FNTSY coming up in the next segment. We'll get you lineups for tonight's game as you set your seasonal and DFS lineups. But I want to kick it off looking at one of the bigger stories last night, and that is Martin Perez. And Martin Perez really wasn't on the radar of many people before the year. And why should he be? He was terrible in Texas. In fact, he never had an ERA Below three, or below four, since his rookie year in 2013. So he signed a one-year deal with Minnesota, and you go, okay, yeah, well, there's nothing really to see here with Perez. Then you start hearing murmurs in the spring that his velocity is up. And 
you always wonder, okay, why is the velocity up? I think people always automatically assume, well, PEDs. But a lot of times it could be mechanics. And some we forget this, that some teams are just not good and they don't have great pitching coaches and they don't have great analytics. And you go to another team and all of a sudden a change is made. And we've seen it a lot with pitchers going to Houston. We really haven't seen it with Minnesota. I can't say that we've seen a lot of Twins pitchers over the years really go there and turn it around. Although this year, we've seen Jake Odorizzi all of a sudden step up, and Perez has stepped up in a major way. And I was not on Perez before the year. Uh, I saw the velocity, and I said, well, okay, I'll keep an eye on it. And if you remember, too, he did not start the year in the rotation. He was the fifth starter for this team, and they had a schedule that had several days off. So he didn't need to pitch in a rotation until April 15th. And even when he did go in a rotation, it was against the Orioles twice in the Blue Jays. So you go, okay, fine. He was pretty good in those starts, but do we still have a gauge? And the walk rate was still a little bit high. Now, I like to separate his numbers from starter to bullpen uh, because I don't think it's fair to characterize him when he was pitching out of the pen for two, three innings coming into a role he wasn't accustomed to. So I'm kind of just looking at how he has fared as a starter. So he went out there in his first start of the year against the Blue Jays, six innings, seven hits, a run, two walks, five Ks. You go, okay, it's a pretty good start. I'll take note. Next start at Baltimore, six innings, six hits, four runs, a walk, only two strikeouts at six innings, and two home runs. So you go, mm, okay, a little bit of a step back. Not an awful start. Then he faces Baltimore again, this time at home. Six innings, six hits, one run, no walks, four Ks. You like that. Then last week, I think it was Wednesday, he went against the Astros. And I said, this start is going to really tell me a lot about Perez. And he was still available in a league or two. Not many. In the 15-team leagues he was on. He went out there and dominated. Eight scoreless innings, four hits, two walks, seven Ks. I'm like, wow, that was an impressive start. Houston has really come around. They got some big right-handed bats, and he went out there and dominated them. So in the one league he was available for me, which I was actually surprised because this is a 15-team league. Several people in the industry are in it. It's a very competitive league, and he was available. And my pitching's been good, but I lost Pavetta. I lost Ross Stripling. So I've held on to them in the hopes that, you know, I know Stripling will be in the starting rotation at some point again this year. There will be injuries. So I wanted to hold on to him in a 15-teamer. And Pavetta, I've thought about dropping, but I've held on. And in maybe a week or two, I'll see what happens. You know, there's always a shot that he comes back and is able to have success as a starter. I know he's had a couple starts down there that have been pretty good from what I last saw. So I've held on. But I kind of needed a starter. I've been using three relievers in my lineup. So I said, you know, I'm going to go after Perez. And it was a $100 fab budget, and I put six, and I got him. And as I wrote my two-start column, which usually comes out Saturday, sometimes Saturday at the latest Sunday morning, I had Perez in there this week. I said, look, he's pitching well, and he's got two solid starts this week. So that's a weekly lineup. I had him in, and he was great again last night. Seven scoreless innings against the Blue Jays, only two hits. Two walks, nine Ks. So this is a guy in an environment where we're seeing the ball fly over the fence. He's allowed two home runs and 41 and a third innings. And the walk rate's still a little high. 
But again, nine of those walks came when he was a reliever. So I'm really just looking at his numbers as a starter. That's what I'm concerned about. Now you go, okay, this guy was so bad. What's happened? This has to be a fluke. Well, there's two things that occurred. Number one, I talked about the mechanics change. Basically, the pitching coach for the Twins, Wes Johnson, suggested that a change that Perez should make with his hips. And that has helped the uptick in velocity. You know, a lot of this is mechanics. You know, you just make a slight change and you gain a mile or two on your fastball. And that's what happens with Perez. His uh, average velocity on the fastball is up 1.9 miles per hour. He's close to 95 and he's been in the 95 to 97 range at times. So that has helped. And the other thing is, and this is usually the pinpoint factor, is okay, there's got to be a change in the usage or he's added a pitch. And with Perez, he's added a cutter. It's a pitch that he learned from Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi kind of showed him the grip in the spring. He used it. He felt comfortable. And he's given Odorizzi credit for that. So a lot of people were late to buy. They still might not be buying. I think he should be owned in all leagues now, even in 10-team leagues. And maybe he cools off. I mean, I don't think he's going to continue to pitch at this level. But this certainly seems like a guy that has made changes and turned it around. He was dealt with a lot of injuries last year. And it was the, we don't see a lot of pitchers in Texas succeed. It's a tough park to pitch in. And changes scenery can help. But the biggest thing is there's a change in pitch mix. And there's an increase in velocity. And that's a big deal. So, so far as a starter this year, Perez has a 1.64 ERA. He's got a 0.97 whip, 21.4% strikeout rate. So, you'd like to see better, but a 5.6% walk rate. Now, he has been helped. 258 batting average of balls and playing at 89.4% strand rate. So, obviously, that's going to come down. But, again, I think it's really the changes that he's made here that have really helped. And... Uh, he still might be available on some 12-teamers possibly because I really think a lot of people are slow to buy in, and I, I was too. I'm guilty of it. You know, I maybe could have gotten him in a 15-teamer a couple weeks ago uh, just kind of seeing what he did in the spring, and this is a case of you really can't wait to see evidence, not in today's game. There's always going to be people who will jump on a player early, and look, it might not work out, and in the worst-case scenario, you just move on from that player but there are probably people who drafted Perez in the reserve round or picked him up early in the season, and that's worked out so far in a major way. You've definitely gotten a lot of profit, and you know this is why you can wait on pitching and get some guys cheap. Now, the key is figuring it out, and Perez was not the easiest guy to figure out unless you were really banking on the uptick in velocity in the spring. So uh, I was amazed uh, that he was available in one of my 15-team leagues, and I got him, and uh, very impressive performance last night and his last start against Houston. And speaking of the Twins, obviously they've had a pretty good lineup. Uh, Eddie Rosario with his 12th home run. Now, Eddie Rosario is a guy I love this year. I got him in Tout Wars. I got him in an NFBC auction. I mean, that was a guy that I wanted in that six-round range. I remember in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I wanted him in round six, and I got sniped. Uh, I had to settle for Nick Castellanos, who's picked it up lately. But, you know, Rosario, the reason why I liked him is He's 27 years old, and he was well on his way to a breakout year last year, and he got a little banged up, and it slowed him down towards the end of the season. Uh, he had 27 homers in 2017, 24 last year, just solid numbers across the board. The average, too, 288 last year, 292 years ago, 
And he also steals some bases. Now, he hasn't this year. He had nine in 2017, eight in 2018. He's yet to attempt to steal this year. So I was banking on, you know, anywhere from six to eight stolen bases, which is certainly possible still, but maybe they've decided not to run him in the middle of the lineup too, and it, it's been a good lineup. Now, he's only hitting 224, but that's because partly of a 172 batting average of balls in play. But he also has been hitting a lot more fly balls, 49.5% fly ball rate. When you hit that many fly balls, uh, you are going to have a lower Babbitt, but it shouldn't be that low. And his hard contact rate is up, not that much, but I do think Rosario is a 30 homer guy if he could stay healthy. It's a really good Twins lineup, and I can see him uh, putting in uh, really good numbers this year, so uh, not surprised uh, by what he's done. Uh, Domingo Santana is probably the player I own most in fantasy, and you know people have started to say, oh, he's struggling, but he got off to a ridiculous start. I mean, again, no one expected Domingo Santana to put that up, I still think he's going to be one of the better values this year. He did homer yesterday. It's been a while because that average is down. He was hitting the high 300s for a while. But, yeah, he's cooled off. I mean, why are we surprised? I mean, you're still happy with his numbers. I mean, the guy's hitting 269 on the season. He had a seventh home run yesterday. He's driven in 32. Uh, I don't see how you can be upset with him. And he's got four stolen bases. So just naturally cooling off. But I still think this is a guy that by the end of the season – is going to be one of the better values and have good numbers for the year. Good sign yesterday with Blake Snell. I mean, there probably was starting to be some concern. Did he come back too early? Was the toe an issue? He had two starts against Kansas City since he came off the injury list, and they weren't good. And this was after a period where Blake Snell was just dominant. He looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he looked like the guy that uh, had a good opportunity to repeat as Cy Young and... We did see a dominant outing yesterday. Six scoreless innings. He allowed one hit, no walks, and struck out nine. So he was almost perfect through six innings. So really, really good performance for Blake Snell. And I know certainly his owners wanted to see that. Last night, great pitching duel out in San Diego. Chris Paddock and Jacob deGrom. And Paddock was the guy that got it done. Seven and two-thirds, scoreless baseball. He only allowed five base runners. Struck out 11. 91 pitches, and they removed him there in the eighth. And 91 pitches is the most pitches he's thrown this year. They've been real cautious with him. And fantasy owners are going to face a dilemma with him because he's one of the best pitchers right now in baseball. He's got a 1.55 ERA through 40 and two-thirds innings. I mean, he's basically been unhittable. He's got a 30.7% strikeout rate, 6.7% walk rate, a 0.69 whip. A 0.69 whip. Some of the contact when he has been a lot has been hard, but this guy has been filthy. But we all know that he's not going to throw a lot of innings this year. They're going to be real careful with him. He threw 90 innings last year. He had surgery in 2017. And fantasy owners have to decide what are they going to do, especially if you're in a head-to-head league because he might not be around for the playoffs. Now, they've done a really good job here. I think he's pitched every start on five days rest. And they've gone to a six-man rotation, at least temporarily. I know for this week, they're going with the six-man rotation. Now, I have Paddock in Tout Wars, where I got him in round 23. uh, I think it was March 5th. And that's the advantage of doing those drafts a little bit early. You get Paddock in round 23. Once we got to the high-stakes leagues in March, Paddock was going round 10, round 11. He pushed up the board. He was going 
nine, ten, eleven dollars. I was fortunate to get him an auction. I think four bucks in mid-March, and I was stunned. I was like, "Wow, the bidding stopped." Okay, thank you. So I have them in a couple leagues, and they are trading leagues too. I thought about trading him in tout just because my offense is so bad. My pitching's been phenomenal, and I have uh, pretty good arms. But you, that can quickly change. You get an injury or two. We just saw it yesterday. David Price goes down. We saw Kluber, Paxton go down. So you have two of those guys. You're feeling good, and all of a sudden they're injured, and you go, wow, now I need a pitcher. So I think in a lot of cases I'm just going to hold on to Paddock and take whatever he gives me. I think we all expected maybe 120, 130. But I could see trying to make a deal right now if you have him, knowing that he's not going to pitch 150 innings. But I don't know. I might just reap the rewards of what he's given me. It's an interesting dilemma, and you should always feel trade offers for a guy that's at peak. And right now, Paddock is dominating. He's at peak form. When we return, we're going to talk some NBA with my guy, Frank Stample of FNTSY, next here on Full-Time Fantasy. Weekend Fantasy Update. You go up to a guy and go, hey, man, I want you to dress up on Star Wars Day and go and hand these things out to fans. <laughs> Most players would be like, suck it. Give me some more money to go do. Like, you know, do you understand where I'm coming from? Like, that's CeCe's and Sabathia. Like, wow, I don't know what to say about this guy. I've always been a fan. That is all class because he doesn't have to do stuff like that. That's what separates uh, good guys in the league. And little kids, imagine that. You go up there and you get a bobblehead and you see the guy dressed up as Yoda. That's cool. That's something you remember. Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tournaments. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Back here it is, full-time fantasy. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern, talking baseball and some hoops. We'll get you lineups for tonight's games coming up in a little bit. But joining me now to talk some NBA, it is Frank Stample from FNTSY. Frank, what's up? Ronis, what's going on, buddy? How's everything? Pretty good, man. Uh, how's the baseball season been going for you? Things turning around? Well, I, I never needed to turn around, Ronis. You know how it goes over here. Oh, really? Well, outside of the great fantasy baseball invitational, that's that's just a disaster. 
I'm going to try my best, but that's that's not going so well. Everything else, uh, for the most part, has been going pretty good. How about you? Uh, for the most part, it's been good. My NFBC auction is just terrible. Like, anything that can go wrong can. Now, I'm getting Matt Olson back today, but I don't know how much power we're going to get. Uh, pitching's been a problem. So I think every year, not every year, but I think we all go through that where we just have one team where just a lot of things go wrong and add up. And that's the team now. So same thing as you and the Invitational. Never give up. And I'm hoping if some of these guys get healthy, because I got Austin Meadows, so he could be back this weekend. Just got Odor back, Olsen. But Severino and Clevenger are, are really big losses. Uh, so keep plugging away there. But every other league has been pretty good so far. And obviously we're battling in the GST. Yeah, so far that's been a pretty, been a pretty good race. Um we didn't expect our pitching to be this good. We actually started three hitters. We normally uh, we normally attack pitching a little bit earlier on. I remember where, when we talked about that right after the draft. Um, yeah, we, we kind of went a different route, and uh, the pitchers that we took later on have been performing. So hopefully that keeps up. I'm in the main event as well. Um, I'm staying afloat. I'm in third, even though I lost Aaron Judge. I've lost Daniel Murphy at times this year. Uh, but, I, you know, I hit on Cody Bellinger. That's working out well. Uh, I need Chris Sale to come around. So I'm staying afloat even without Aaron Judge. Um, but who knows how long he's going to be out. I haven't even seen anything regarding that. Yeah, Judge is another guy I got in that auction. <laughs> so it's <laughs> just like – it's. but it's crazy, though. Like, So in TGFBI, though, I have Judge and Clevenger, and I've managed to stay near the top. I don't know how – I think my pitching has been overachieving, though, and I'm a little worried because I got guys like – Wade Miley and Aaron Sanchez and Marco Gonzalez. So I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain this for a long period of time. So I'm worried that that team is going to drop. Yeah, man. In the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I have – I think I lost Chris Archer. I lost Nathan Avaldi. Uh, James Paxton is hurt now. Um, I had I took Walker Bueller as my ace in the third round. And, you know, he pitched well last night, but for the most part hasn't been himself – Dude, I got some real bad pitchers in my lineup right now. Like, I just had to—I had to pick up guys that are just throwing innings. Like, I have—I have Daniel Norris and Manny Benuelos in my lineup right now, Ronis. Oh this, boy, this is what yeah. happens when you lose four <laughs> starting pitchers in a 15-team league. It's—it's it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, and especially this league, which is the League of Champions, and a lot of good players in this league. Uh, I will say this though, James Paxton, you knew this was happening. I mean, come on, the guy's never thrown more than 161 innings. Like, you cannot be surprised when James Paxton goes down. Yeah, it's true. I, I can't argue with that. And he was pitching really well. And um, Eovaldi, too. And I took Eovaldi in one league in Tau Wars, and I knew it. I'm like, well, what did you expect? I mean, he, we couldn't expect more than 120 innings at best from him. Yeah, it's true. He's had all the elbow issues. Uh, and even when he was healthy this year, he hasn't pitched well. So, yeah, that was just a disaster. Uh, and then Chris Archer, he was hurt last year, but for the most part in his career, he's been pretty durable. Um and, yeah, he's banged up, too. Now he's on the shelf. So, yeah, this is great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, you can come back from this early on in the season, but it's going to be tough. I've, I've really got to gotta hit on some things. I've got to play my cards right here. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, I have no closer right now, unless you consider Elias a closer, um, and he hasn't gotten a save in a while. So, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, it's hard to get a closer. And I'm sitting in second place, man, but it's going to be tough. Uh, but hopefully I get Hicks back this weekend. That will help. But I'm worried about my pitching, man. I had Gossman yesterday. The only the only guys that I really like in my rotation are Castillo and uh, Cole Hamels. 
Yeah, both guys have been great too, man. Cole Hamill's coming into the year. I was a pretty big fan. I ended up with no shares of him, but he's been pretty solid. He's done everything that you could ask. What, mid-3s ERA? He's got like a 1.10 whip strikeout per inning. He's been great too. Um, yeah, you got to figure out those closers. You got to be. Were you aggressive on any of the guys this weekend, like Sean Kelly? I don't even know if he was. I don't even remember if that. he was available. Yeah. Did you? So I had Sean Kelly in the GST, and I dropped him a week ago for Diego Castillo. Did you see how much Sean Kelly went for in the GST this weekend? Oh yeah, we spoke about it on Monday with Modique. Three fifty. Three hundred and fifty dollars, man. That that's just. People overreacting to saves. It it normally happens in roto leagues, especially these deeper ones, fifteen team leagues. But three hundred fifty dollars for Sean Kelly. I mean, he might be the closer for a month, but I think long term, I would imagine the Rangers still want to get Jose Leclerc in there. Plus, I don't expect them to c- compete, so there's a chance they trade him too. Seemed like a lot of money to drop on a guy like Sean Kelly. Would you have the year the week before drop Kelly for Castillo? Remember, this was before Leclerc lost his job. Um. Yeah, I probably right? would have because even Alvarado hasn't had a save in like a couple weeks. Yeah, I know they've been using Pagan. I know he got like three of the past like four or five saves, and then Diego Castillo got one the other day. But even when he's not getting you saves, it's it's frustrating uh, the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen situation for fantasy. But even when he's not getting you saves, Diego Castillo still giving you really good peripherals. He's giving you ERA. He's giving you WHIP. He's giving you strikeouts too. So. At least you can hang your hat on that. I, I probably would have made that same move, dropping Kelly, uh, f- to get Diego Castillo before the news about Jose Leclerc. Yeah, I was able to get Kelly a couple weeks ago in, in our GDD league for like a buck, and I held on to him. Uh, so I do I do have him in the lineup. So, yeah, closer is a position, though, that I'm really hurting at. And uh, I think a lot of people are, too, especially. I, there was a period in the GDD I had no saves. Really? Wait, so yeah, I just I got a save. Did you draft from, anybody? I drafted Archie Bradley and Ryan Presley. So I knew Presley wasn't closing, but I was hope you know at that point of the draft I was like, all right, maybe Bradley closes because I wasn't buying a Greg Holland. I think most people were completely wrong on Greg Holland. I mean, I don't think anyone believed in him. I think the telltale signs were there that okay, they brought him in. Maybe that's an indication that they really don't want Archie Bradley to close. Use him for multiple innings. So, yeah, I went in with that, and then I added Kelly cheaply, and then I added Robles, who has been good outside of his last outing, which was a non-save situation. So, yeah, that's the Achilles heel there. Uh, and, again, I've managed to stay in second place in that league too. So, uh, just a lot of work to do with closers, man, especially in these 15-team leagues. Yeah, you know, something Modica usually says, and it's true, you're going to spend on relievers either way. You're either going to spend draft capital or you're going to spend – Big time and fab. But either way, like you can win in a, you know, a, just a league standing without saves. But in overall, I mean, it's obviously a lot tougher to compete without having saves. But it is possible to win without saves. It makes it harder, obviously. But Right, you some, need to hit on everything else. Yeah, something Modiga has always said, and I agree with him. I, like, at some point, you have to pay for saves, whether it's in the draft or in fab. So. Yeah, and you know, I guess some of those closes that we paid for early, not the up, upper elite guys, but like the Vasquez, the Hand, the Osuna, you know, it's worked out. I got Osuna and Tout. I got Hand and GST. So if you get one of those guys, you find a second one, it'll at least keep you competitive in the category. But we're here with Frank Stanford, FNTSY. We do want to talk NBA. Obviously, he's a versatile guy. But we're going to talk NBA right now. And let's kick it off with the Celtics, man, because I just was – embarrassed for their effort last night. Uh, I thought they would come out and play better at home 
and the Bucks were pretty much in control of this game. And Kyrie Irving, you know, he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the superstar. He left LeBron. He's seeing how difficult it is, and he has been terrible in these last three games. He has not shot the ball well after game one, and Kyrie's got to come up with a better effort last night, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. They're starting to crumble here. Uh, his shooting has not been great. Uh, credit to the Bucks as well, playing really good defense, but 7 for 22 last night, 8 for 22, 4 for 18 in game two. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just not going to get it done. He is doing other things. He's getting his teammates involved, but I agree 100%. You know, this is part of the burden that you wanted. You you wanted to be the guy. You wanted to get away from LeBron. You want to play on Boston, uh, where there's obviously huge expectations, um, you know, crazy fan base there. And this is a team that normally had played so well at home all season long, so I think it really was a shocker uh, to see Milwaukee come out and win both of these games. I thought they would have been going back to Milwaukee tied 2-2. Two to two. I actually thought in Game 3 that they were going to come out hotter. Uh, Dane Martinez, uh, spit and speed, you can hear him here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, me and him, we kind of uh, we went half-seas on uh, Boston minus one first half on Friday for game three, um, and they ended up having a one-point lead. I was like, well, these odds makers just know exactly what they're doing. But I just thought overall the Boston Celtics would come out hotter than they have been at home, and that just hasn't been the case. I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Milwaukee Bucks defense too because uh, overall the field goal percentages for Boston these past couple of games have been pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, there was a period last night where they just were a body in front of every Celtic. I was like, wow, this like this peri- uh, st- uh, period here, they just playing great defense. But Boston did have some open looks, and they just couldn't hit it. And you know, maybe it's a Milwaukee is a lot better than people think. You know, that I think they got smacked in Game One and it walked them up, and it's probably what they needed. I think that might have been the best thing to happen Milwaukee in Game One after cruising through the first round against Detroit is getting punched in the mouth and saying, you know what. Uh, we got to play better. This is not Detroit. Boston is pretty good, and uh, they've they've taken control of this series. And I don't see Boston coming back. I think it's done. You? Yeah, it seems like everything's kind of crumbling. Last night, I saw that there was uh, there was a meeting between the players led by Al Horford um, and, and someone else with the team last night. It just seems like everything's kind of spiraling out of control. We all know that Kyrie Irving uh, is looking forward to free agency. We've had these things going on all season long regarding where is he going to end up. Um, so I think that's really, really starting to play into the back of the minds of a lot of the players here. Um, and I do think, you know, again, maybe we did underestimate the Milwaukee Bucks a little bit here. And they're doing this all without Malcolm Brogdon, too, which is just is crazy to me. They're, they're playing complete team basketball. I think I give credit to uh, to Budenholzer as well, putting Nikola Mirotic into the starting lineup. Not that he's had a huge impact, but I think just having him on the court and having the threat of another shooter on the outside uh, has changed things up for the looks uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I agree 100% that you know they did cruise through the first round. They didn't have a lot of competition against Detroit. Not really a knock uh, against Detroit. It's just I think the Bucks are really that good, and Blake Griffin was playing basically on one leg. So I just think that they couldn't really give that much of an effort. But you know. Getting beat up bad, that badly in Game 1, I, I do agree with you. I think that was uh, exactly what the Milwaukee Bucks needed. And now they're going back home. I I, I don't know how Boston's going to be able to compete. It just seems like it's all spiraling right now for them. Yes, and we know they've had chemistry issues throughout the year. Now it's kind of bubbling to the surface again. Talking to Frank Stample, FNTSY. Rockets even the series. They win 112-108. I had the over 220-and-a-half, man. And Paul missing a free throw late, hard in. Ah, unbelievable. But can the Rockets win this series? 
I think they can. So what I was saying last week after they went down 2-0 is if you actually watch those games, there were like a few effort plays. They should have won game one. Yeah, they easily could have too. I mean, look, say what you want about the refs. They do have a really tough task in terms of uh, just calling the games with James Harden. It, it's just, it is really hard to call games with him playing because he does draw so much contact and he's basically indefensible whenever he does that step back beyond the three. Uh, and then we see him you know, end up making four-point plays like he did last night against Klay Thompson too. So it is a hard job for the refs in this series. They easily could have won that first game one. And if you watch game two, it was just an effort thing. They were getting beat on offensive rebounds. They, they were giving up offensive boards. They were turning the ball over. They were sloppy. They basically beat themselves. And I said, if they start to put in effort, we're going back to Golden State with this series tied 2-2. Two to two. And, and the next two games, what do you see? P.J. Tucker starting to step it up, play some of that defense that we saw last year in the playoffs. They're boxing people out. I think Shumpert, while he hasn't done uh, much scoring-wise, uh, he's added a little bit of uh, hustle there as well, some defense too. And they have the guns to go head-to-head with Golden State. You might not think it when you see Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, it, it doesn't have the same name value. But if you watch them play, Eric Gordon can basically do what Klay Thompson is doing offensively. He can give you 20-plus points a game. Uh, they won last night with Chris Paul giving them 13 points. P.J. Tucker started to uh, to knock in some threes. And then James Harden just doing James Harden things. So I do think that if we continue to see this effort that we've seen the past two games from Houston, they can win the series. They, they have the guns to do so, Ronas. Yeah, I hope it goes seven. I think we all want to see a seven-game series. I think yeah, and game seven would be Sunday, too. So I hope that does happen. I think we all want to see it, and especially with everyone healthy. Obviously, last year, a lot of people felt if Chris Paul played, maybe Houston would win. So hopefully we get the seven-game series there. Uh, tonight, we have the Sixers and Raptors kicking it off, uh, back-and-forth series. That's tied it to Kawhi Leonard has just been a beast in the playoffs, and you know, for the hardcore NBA fans like you and me, we're not surprised. We've seen him do this in San Antonio. But, man, he has really carried the Raptors. Do the Sixers have a shot to win this series? I think they do have a shot. This series has just been so back and forth because if you asked me after Game 3 when the 76ers win uh, two games in a row, it seemed like they had all the momentum going their way. Um, you know, the games that they played uh, in Philadelphia – were, I mean, the crowd was really behind them. It just seemed like all the momentum was swinging. But, I mean, credit to Kawhi, what you said about him. Dude, in this series, he's averaging 38 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, almost a steal per game, too. He's doing everything that he possibly can. Uh, he made five three-pointers in the last game as well, 39 points and 14 rebounds. He's doing exactly what he needs to. Uh, and you know that he's going to get his. It's just come down to, does Kyle, does Kyle Lowry show up? That that's In the games that they lose, it's... Those are the games where Kyle Lowry is scoring less than 10 points. He's not getting other people involved all that much. And you can just see that he's just inconsistent for whatever reason at times. Uh, but we, we saw that the defense that they played in Game 4 uh, was phenomenal. I think a lot of it comes down to whether or not Kyle Lowry shows up. But it's been a really, really back-and-forth series. If I had to say so tonight, I would take the Toronto Raptors. It wouldn't surprise me if the rest of the way from here, it's just each of the home teams uh, win in their respective arenas. Yeah, and they've been low-scoring games, too. I think it's been under three of the four. Yeah, I like the under so, tonight, too. Yeah, I took the under. I'm a little scared because it's been under every game, and I, I guess it's inched up because I saw it was 211 earlier, now it's 212. So I guess some money's going there because uh, the under seems so easy, but I was with you. I took it. We'll find out if we're suckers tonight. 
the Nuggets at home against Portland, that line has moved a little bit too. It was four and a half early. Now it's five, two, 13 and a half. What a series this has been, man. I hope you watch the entire four overtime game. Yeah, I turned that game on late. I did watch all of the overtimes. It was crazy just seeing that back and forth. This whole series really has been back and forth. There really hasn't been uh, many blowouts here. It's been a lot of close games overall. Uh, I think a big key for them, you know Jokic is going to do his thing. Uh, the past couple of weeks we spoke about how this is a maturation process for Jamal Murray. He's been doing his, but Paul Millsap, man, Paul Millsap in the series really showing up, averaging 18 points, 10 rebounds, chipping in defensively. He's just a hard guard uh, for the Portland Trailblazers because Al Farouk Aminu is just not strong enough to stick with him. Uh, so we're really starting to see Paul Millsap turn the, back the clocks a little bit. I like Denver overall in the series to take it in seven. I had that originally before the series even started. I like them winning tonight too. Yeah, I like them in seven as well. I just think they have a little bit more depth. And, you know, we we know this. Gary Harris and Barton just haven't been healthy this year. I mean, those guys are good players. I mean, I know we both like Harris before the year in fantasy. And looks like they're finally starting to show up. And Denver took some big punches, especially late in game four. They responded to every big shot by Portland. All right, that is Frank Stample. You can find him at FNTSY. Frank, thanks for the time. We'll talk Fantasy to you. Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and Wagering anytime and anywhere. Lose weight now. Go to fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to fat100.com. Fat100.com. That's fat100.com. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. Morning after. Hayward's never going to be the same, evidently, after that injury. He doesn't have the hop, and quite frankly, he was never a superstar. He was sort of overhyped as it was. I'll just cut to the chase. If he was black, I don't think Boston would have signed him. Yeah, let's just cut right through. It's fair. That's fair. I'm just stating that would they have gone so gaga over a brother that scores 17 points a game? That's fair criticism. Yeah, like it was like Gordon Hayward, oh, he's perfect for Boston. And he ain't like them. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Back here, it is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. Have an article up looking at Martin Perez and the changes he's made. Discuss some of that here in the opening segment. So if you missed it, you could hear it on demand or read the article. Got also draft reviews from Dr. Roto looking at each division. And you could ask your questions on the message boards and forums. And don't forget... If you're ready to draft for fantasy football, 
PlayFFWC.com. We got new Dynasty startup drafts, uh, different price points, slow drafts. Uh, there's three spots left in a Dynasty startup with a six-hour clock. There's six spots left in a slow best ball draft with a four-hour clock, 24 rounds. So you can also put your deposit on the World Championship live in Vegas or online. I recommend coming out to Vegas if you can. First weekend of the football season, I'll be out there. I'll be drafting. Uh, we'll be at the Palms. It's always a fun time. If you haven't experienced it, I suggest you do. So check it out, playffwc.com. Catch Gambling Addicts, Red Heat and Rage, Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart on Game Time Decisions. Coming up next at 4 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network as they bitch and moan about their previous night's bad beats and let you know who their money is on for all the upcoming games. And they bet on all of them. You can also watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room or watch it on Periscope, Twitch.tv, or countless of other popular OTT platforms. Become part of the show. Tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and for the extra money they'll put in your pockets. It's Game Time Decisions weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. Busy night in MLB. No afternoon baseball today. Always like having some afternoon baseball, so days like this, don't enjoy it as much. But it starts tonight, 6, 10 p.m. Eastern, the White Sox in Cleveland. It'll be Lucas Giolito against Jeffrey Rodriguez. And Giolito's been interesting this year because he has made some improvements. We've seen the strikeouts up, and he is someone I am using in a two-start week. He's got the Indians tonight, so a good matchup here. There's definitely some risk to it. I wouldn't use him in DFS, but uh, there's a chance that, you know, he could put together a solid start. Jeffrey Rodriguez obviously filling in in the rotation with a couple of injuries there, uh, with Corey Kluber being out, as well as Clevenger. So Rodriguez is going to get the opportunity to start. He also has a two-start week. For the White Sox, leading off playing third base, Juan Moncada, Nicky Delmonico in left field batting second, Jose Abreu at first base hitting third, Yonder Alonso, the DH hitting cleanup, James McCann is the catcher hitting fifth. He's been on fire, and he's pretty much supplanted Wellington Castillo as the everyday catcher now. He's not going to keep this up, but he's certainly someone you could pick up if he's available. I picked him up in a 12-team online league over the weekend uh, for only like 3 bucks. So playing the hot hand here, look, catcher's a very difficult position, and a lot of them are struggling. So I don't expect McCann to keep this up. But he is producing and hitting high in the order, so certainly worth adding if he's available and you have a crappy catcher on your team. Charlie Tilson's in center field, batting six, recently called up. Tim Anderson dropped to the seventh spot. He's at shortstop. And Yolmer Sanchez at second base, hitting eighth. And Ryan Cordell in right field, hitting ninth for the White Sox. For Cleveland, Francisco Lindor leading it off, playing shortstop. Jason Kipnis is the DH today. He's hitting second. Jose Ramirez is at third base, hitting third. Carlos Santana is at first base, hitting cleanup. Carlos Gonzalez in right field, batting fifth. Jake Bowers in left field, hitting sixth. Leonis Martins in center field, hitting seventh. Roberto Perez behind the plate, hitting eighth. And Mike Freeman, the second baseman, hitting ninth for the Indians. The Mariners are in New York. Marco Gonzalez against Masahiro Tanaka. And Marco Gonzalez has been really good this year. He's really had one bad start, and that was his last one against the Cubs. And, you know, I was a little worried about Marco Gonzalez this week because I do have him in a few leagues. Now, in Tout Wars, I benched him, even with the two-star week, because I have a lot of good pitchers. 
And my ERA whip's been pretty good. In other leagues, though, it was more difficult to sit him. I do have him act him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, and he's got the Yankees in Boston this week, so it's definitely dicey. But I think in 15-team leagues, uh, I was using him. I think I used him in the GDD, which is also a 15-team league. So uh, I am a little bit worried. Uh, even with the depleted Yankees lineup, they're still pretty good, and they got a couple of bats back. So uh, not the easiest task today for Marco Gonzalez, who is a guy that allows a lot of contact, not a big strikeout guy. Leading off in the Mariners, D. Gordon in at second base. Mitch Hanniger in center field batting second. Daniel Vogelbach, the DH, hitting third. Edwin Encarnacion at first base hitting fourth. Domingo Santana in left field hitting fifth. Jay Bruce in right field hitting sixth. Tim Beckham at short hitting seventh. Ryan Healy at third hitting eighth. And Tom Murphy behind the plate hitting ninth. For the Yankees, DJ LeMahieu leading off at second base. Luke Voigt at first base hitting second. Gary Sanchez is the catcher hitting third. Miguel Andujar at DH hitting fourth. Clint Frazier returned yesterday. He's in right field hitting fifth. Glaber Torres at shortstop hitting sixth. Gio Urshela at third base hitting seventh. Cameron Mabin in left field hitting eighth. And Brett Gardner in center field hitting ninth. By the way, Aaron Hicks began his rehab assignment yesterday. He was 0 for 4. But there is a possibility he could be back this weekend. The Rangers in Pittsburgh. Adrian Sampson against Stephen Brault. For the Rangers, Delano DeShields leading off in center field. Elvis Andrews at shortstop batting second. Joey Gallo in left field hitting third. Hunter Pence in right field. Hitting cleanup, Rugnet Odor is at second base, hitting fifth. That's Drupal Cabrera at third base, hitting sixth. Logan Forsythe, the first baseman, hitting seventh. Uh, Kiner Falefa at catcher, hitting eighth. And Adrian Sampson on the mound, hitting ninth. Remember, no DH today. And uh, no more Mazzara is sitting against a left-hander. For the Pirates, Adam Frazier leading off at second base. Starling Martez in center field, hitting second. Gregory Polanco in right field, hitting third. Josh Bell off to a good start. He's at first base, hitting cleanup. Brian Reynolds. In left field, hitting fifth. Colin Morans at third base, hitting sixth. Francisco Cervelli, the catcher, hitting seventh. Kevin Newman at shortstop, hitting eighth. And Stephen Brault on the mound, hitting ninth. The Red Sox in Baltimore. Hector Velasquez against David Hess for the Red Sox. Andrew Benatendi leading it off in left field. Mookie Betts is in right field, hitting second. J.D. Martinez, the D.H., hitting third. Mitch Moreland at first base, hitting cleanup. Xander Bogarts at shortstop, hitting fifth. Rafael Devers at third base, hitting sixth. Michael Chavis at second base, hitting seventh. Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field, hitting eighth. And Vasquez behind the plate, hitting ninth for the Red Sox. For the Orioles, Jonathan Villar leading off at shortstop. He had a grand slam yesterday. Trey Mancini in right field, batting second. Dwight Smith Jr. in left field. Uh, he's the DH, hitting third. Rio Ruiz at third base, hitting cleanup. Chris Davis at first base, hitting fifth. Wilkerson in center field, hitting sixth. Hanser Albardo at second base, hitting seventh. Joey Rickard in left field, hitting eighth. And Austin wins behind the plate, hitting ninth. So no Renato Nunez. He is out of the lineup today. He's been slumping a little bit lately. He went through a nice hot streak, but slumping a little bit lately. Twins in Toronto. It'll be Jose Barrios against Aaron Sanchez. For the Twins, Max Kepler leading off in right field. Jorge Polanco is at shortstop, hitting second. Nelson Cruz, the DH, hitting third. Eddie Rosario in left field, hitting cleanup. Mitch Garver, the catcher, hitting fifth. Marwin Gonzalez at first base, hitting sixth. Jonathan Scope at second base, hitting seventh. Adrianza at third base, hitting eighth. And Byron Buxton in center field, hitting ninth. The Angels in Detroit, Griffin Canning against Daniel Norris. Canning went for... A good amount of money in Fab over this weekend. So a few bids, you know, over $100, $150, $160. Uh, 
Obviously, pitched well to start the year in AAA. He has not really gone deep into games, though, so something to keep an eye on. I know a lot of people might be looking at Canning tonight in DFS to pick on Detroit. Uh, and for Detroit, Heimer Candelario leading off playing third base. Nicholas Castellanos in right field hitting second. Miguel Cabrera, the DH, hitting third. Nico Goodrum in left field hitting cleanup. Rodriguez at first base hitting fifth. Picked him up in tout wars for $2 over the weekend, putting him in at the middle infield spot where haven't been getting much production. Uh, he's off to a good start. So figured I'd take a shot for 2 bucks. Harold Castro's at second base hitting sixth. Jordy Mercer at shortstop hitting seventh. Grayson Griner at the catcher hitting eighth. Jacoby Jones in center field hitting ninth. That's a pretty bad bottom of the order for the Tigers. The Diamondbacks in Tampa, it'll be Taylor Clark against Ryan Stanek. He'll be the opener. Then expect Jalen Beeks to come in and follow him. Beeks coming off two really good starts. For the Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte leading it off in center field. Eduardo Escobar is at third base hitting second. David Peralta in left field hitting third. Adam Jones in right field hitting cleanup. Christian Walker, the DH, hitting fifth. Wilmer Flores at first base, hitting sixth. Nick Ahmed at shortstop, hitting seventh. Vargas at second base, hitting eighth. And Carson Kelly, he will catch today, batting ninth. For the Rays, Brandon Lau in right field, leading off. Tommy Pham, who had a grand slam yesterday, he's in left field, batting second. G-Man Choi, the DH, hitting third. Yandy Diaz at third base, hitting fourth. Nate Lowe at first base, hitting fifth. Daniel Robertson's in second base, hitting six. Kevin Kiermeyer in center field, hitting seventh. Willie Adamas was given the day off yesterday. He's back in the lineup. He's at shortstop, hitting eighth. And Michael Perez, the catcher, batting ninth. No Mike Zunino tonight. Nationals in Milwaukee. It'll be Steven Strasburg against Adrian Hauser. He's the opener. Then we will see Freddie Peralta, who has not been good for the most part this year. We've seen one really good outing for him, but he's got hammered a lot, so... We'll see if the opener does anything for him because he has struggled in the first inning. And uh, you should see him in the second or third inning today. Phillies in St. Louis. Aaron Nola against Dakota Hudson. Matt Carpenter leading it off, playing third base. Paul Goldschmidt at first base, hitting second. Paul DeYoung at shortstop, hitting third. Marcelo Zuna in left field, hitting cleanup. Jose Martinez in right field, hitting fifth. He continues to play every day. And... This is a case of where you're drafting talent and holding on. Now, I'll give you two instances. And this is why it's very hard to give you these general answers. It's all specific to your teams. And that's why it's the best if you just come over to FullTimeFantasy.com, go to the message board and ask your question. You can give all the details because the open-ended questions are very difficult to answer. You know, some people ask, should I add this guy? Okay, how many teams are in the league? Who can you drop? Where's your weakness? A lot of these things come into play. So I'm going to give you two examples with Jose Martinez. So there was one where I drafted him in a 15-team league in the, you know, late in the draft. And uh, fortunately, I haven't had too many injuries. You know, I had Daniel Murphy out, Odor was out, Waka was out, but nothing crazy. And this is a league with no injured list spots. So I hung on to Jose Martinez. I said, you know what, I'll stay patient. And, of course, we know Fowler went on the injured list for a little bit. Uh, Bader went down. Uh no, it wasn't. I don't think Fowler won it. It was Bader and O'Neal. So that opened up a spot, and Martinez was playing every day. And you know how it goes. We all knew Martinez couldn't hit. It was just a question of where would he get in the lineup? It wasn't going to be first base anymore with Goldschmidt there. And could they get past his poor defense? Now, the times I've watched, he doesn't look great. He doesn't get a good jump on the ball. But I was reading something recently that they're happy that he's improved his defense. But he continues to play every day hitting fifth. Now, the the one league where I had to drop him was that NFBC auction where 
there was one point where all seven of my reserves were hurt. And at that point, Martinez wasn't in the lineup every day. And you can't think long-term at that point. You have to get at-bats for that week. You can't get a zero. So had to drop Jose Martinez, and I knew it. I said, you know, once we drop him, that's it. He's going to go off. He's going to get an opportunity to play. You look back and you go, oh, I regret it. But you got to make the best decision at the time. And you and I knew Martinez would work his way in the lineup somehow. But you can't take that zero that week. And that's where all the injuries come into play and no IL spots. you got to make a decision. And it's going to look bad. And I knew it would happen. But there is no guarantee that Martinez would have gotten this opportunity. You know, what if Bader stayed healthy and continued to hit and Fowler, who was hot, continued to hit? You wouldn't see Martinez in the lineup. So... One example where I held on, it's worked out. The other I dropped, and, you know, again, it was the right decision at the time. So Martinez is hitting and continues to play every day. Yadier Molina is the catcher hitting six. Dexter Fowler back in the lineup in center field hitting seven. Colton Wong's at second base hitting eighth. And Dakota Hudson on the mound for the Cardinals. He's not a lot of homer in his last two starts. He made a change. He's at the third base side of the rubber. It's allowed that sinker to bear in on the right-handed hitters, and it's worked. We'll see if it can work tonight again against Philly. Miami is in Chicago. Caleb Smith, who's been ridiculous this year. He's been phenomenal, and it's legit against John Lester, who's also pitched well. I did not expect this from Lester, uh, but he has pitched very, very well this year. Amora leading off in center field. Chris Bryant's at third base, batting second. Anthony Rizzo's at first base, hitting third. Javier Byers at shortstop in the cleanup spot. Wilson Contreras been one of the best catchers to date. I mean, he is just crushing it. Uh, we always complain about the catcher position but if you got Wilson Contreras you're really happy and I was able to get him in three four leagues and it's paid big dividends so far David Bode at second base hitting six Jason Hayward in right field batting seventh Ben Zobris in left field hitting eighth John Lester on the mound hitting ninth the Royals in Houston it'll be Danny Duffy against Colin McHugh for the Royals Whit Merrifield leading off at second base Alberto Mondesi at shortstop hitting second Alex Gordon in left field hitting third. Hunter Dozier, he's been one of the best waiver wire pickups of the year. I was fortunate to get him in one league, a 15-team league, where I really had a big hole at third base. Dozier has filled that void in a major way. Jorge Soler's the DH hitting fifth. Ryan O'Hearn at first base hitting sixth. Chris Owings in right field hitting seventh. Martin Maldonado behind the plate hitting eighth. And Billy Hamilton in center field hitting ninth. Gutierrez not in the lineup tonight. He was picked up in uh, quite a few leagues over the weekend. Well, uh, Reds, they always get their lineup out. This is a 10.07 p.m. game. The Reds already got their lineup out. Great for them. They're really helping us out here in fantasy. They're at Oakland. It'll be Tyler Molly against Mike Fires for the Reds. Joey Votto leading off in first base. Eugenio Suarez at third base hitting second. Jesse Winker back in the lineup with a righty on the mound and left field hitting third. Yasiel Puig is in right field hitting cleanup. Derek Dietrich, the DH hitting fifth. Nick Senzel in center field. Hitting six. I mean, he had leadoff. They've used them all over the order. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Jose Iglesias at shortstop hitting seventh. Tucker Barnhart at catcher hitting eighth. And Kyle Farmer at second base hitting ninth. Jose Peraza out of the lineup. I don't know. The guy was getting hot. They put him leadoff. They moved back to the bottom. I don't know what the Reds are doing here with their lineup sometimes. It just changes every day. And I don't know why they haven't stuck with Peraza. Uh, Blue Jays lineup. Freddie Galvis at shortstop leading off. Justin Smoke at first base hitting second. Randall Grichik in center field hitting third. Rowdy Telez, the DH hitting cleanup. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. off to a slow start. He's at third base hitting fifth. Billy McKinney's in right field hitting sixth. Brandon Drury's at second base hitting seventh. Teoscar Hernandez in left field hitting eighth. 
Luke Molly behind the plate hitting ninth uh, for the Blue Jays. In uh, the other games tonight, we got the Giants in Colorado. Madison Bumgarner on the mound against Antonio Sensatella. Bumgarner's been good so far, but this is a rough spot. Mike Fires on the mound for Oakland. And we got the Braves in L.A. to take on the Dodgers. It'll be Max Fried, who's been great this year, against Hinjin Ryu. And as long as he's healthy, Ryu is phenomenal. Uh, does have a get some a tough lineup here. And the Mets, who just cannot score any runs right now, they have just looked terrible offensively. They've now fallen three games under 500. They'll look to Noah Syndergaard to stop that streak. Remember the last time Syndergaard took them out? He won one nothing, and he homered in that game. So Syndergaard going to have to apply a lot of the offense and pitching for the Mets. He's in San Diego going up against Cal Quantrill tonight. That wraps it up here. You can check me out fulltimefantasy.com. Don't forget, if you're ready to draft, play ffwc.com. You can put your deposit down for the World Championship in Vegas or online or get in a dynasty startup draft or a slow best ball draft. That's playffwc.com. I'll be back Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.